0: I think today is a really important time to ask that if anyone has a spare, oh, I don't know, quarter of a million dollars lying around, you could be the person who funds the air conditioning campaign for All Saints Church. So I wanna commend you all for coming out on such a hot morning and just let you know that no matter how hot you may be, I am standing before you wearing a band of collar around my neck a long polyester robe and a silk scarf, so all for the glory of the Lord. But in all honesty, this was a pretty intense week heat-wise, and not just in the way that affects our lives on a day-to-day basis. Today, this very day that we stand before each other, we are at the end of a week that broke a record, Thursday was the hottest day ever recorded in human history. If you take all of the average temperatures at every weather station around the world and aggregate them together, it was the highest number that had ever been recorded in human history. That's a pretty big deal, isn't it? But guess what? That wasn't the only time that that record was broken this week. Because Tuesday was the second hottest day ever recorded in human history, and Wednesday tied Tuesday. And guess what? That's not all. Because on Monday, we had the third hottest day ever recorded in human history. So this week, since the last time that we got together, We had Monday, which was the hottest day ever recorded, then Tuesday and Wednesday, the two hottest days ever recorded, and then Thursday, which broke the previous two records, which had also been made this week. You following the pattern yet? Our climate is changing. We have already arrived at the time in human history when the climate is changing. If you look at a graph of the way that temperatures have been going throughout the last decades or so, you can see that in the period between 1980 and 2000, average temperatures sort of look like this. And if you go to the period of the last 10 years, they're at least one degree Celsius higher than that number. There's absolutely no question whatsoever, empirically, scientifically, in our own lives, that the world is hotter. Than it was just a couple of decades ago and we also know that the trend is accelerating so in case there is any doubt to anyone standing here in the pulpit as a priest in a country where many other preachers standing in pulpits might say something else let me tell you climate change is real and it is caused by the tremendous numbers of fossil fuels that we as a species are burning and putting carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, which is changing weather patterns, making the Earth hotter, making storms much stronger than they had been in previous generations, and permanently changing ecosystems. The planet is sick. As Allegra Lovejoy reminded us last week, the climate of New York City itself is changing. She told me, and the rest of us, that it's expected that by the year 2100, New York will have the same climate that New Orleans does today. That means that our summers will not only be oppressively hot, but it will no longer snow here. We will have more frequent hurricanes than we had in the past, and essentially, this city will be a subtropical city, not a temperate one. There's no doubt because this is happening all over the world. But the thing is that the planet is only sick because one of the species in the planet is also sick. And that's us. There's something wrong with us as a people if we have decided that it's okay for us not only to kill all of the other species, but also to kill ourselves. Because make no doubt about it, as the climate changes, we are permanently changing the way that we will live as a people. As happens with everything that is a catastrophe, the changes will affect us differently. If you are poor, if you are a subsistence farmer, if you live in a coastal city but don't have a lot of money, Your life will be impacted more than if you are rich live in a place where you have the possibility to move to a climber location, have more access to water. And in the process, fragile ecosystems will be changed forever. Because of that, the people who depend on them will be changed forever, too. I say all these things assuming that most of you know all of it already. And one of the reasons we don't talk about it is because it's just too awful to think about. It's also kind of like a slow moving disaster. When there's a big weather event, like a hurricane, we can come together and mourn the tragedy of what has happened to us and and gather the energy to talk about rebuilding or doing something for our neighbors, but what do you do when the disaster takes place and unfolds slowly over the course of decades. What's more, it's difficult to talk about because, well, it's pretty bleak. It's difficult when you're just one person to think about how you might be able to make a change for the future when you're up against a system that is so much larger than just one of us. A lot of us might choose to make consumer choices that will impact the planet positively. Maybe you've decided to not drive as much or do activities that burn fossil fuels. Maybe you're changing your diet so you eat less meat and other things that affect the climate. But really, honestly, if there's gonna be a difference, it has to be something much bigger than that. As a Christian, I often wonder, what is my responsibility in the face of this, the largest moral crisis that our generation and future generations are going to face? And it can seem so dire that you just want to throw your hands up and just continue living your life, because really, there's nothing we can do about it. We just have to cope. But friends, we... people of faith. We are people who never give up hope. And we are people who believe that sick things can be healed. In the Gospel reading from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9, we hear the story of the hemorrhaging woman. She has been sick for 12 years. And you can imagine what her situation was like in the place where she was living. This was an ailment that no one could cure. There's nothing anyone could do for her. And what's more, she wasn't all that important to the life of society. And so, well, that's just the way it is. She's just going to continue to be sick. You can imagine Jesus walking along, probably much the same way that when you see President Biden going through the streets surrounded by a security entourage, keeping people like the hemorrhaging woman away from him on his important duties. And yet there she was, a person of deep faith who believed in healing. And she knew that there was one other person there that day whose faith in healing was just as strong as hers. And that was Jesus. And so she reached out with her hand touched the fringe of his cloak and asked to be healed. And lo and behold, Jesus turned to her and said, Woman, your faith has made you whole. And she was indeed healed. I think that this story is so powerful for us today in the face of challenges like climate change Because it reminds us as followers of Jesus that we too are supposed to be people who actually believe in healing and who will never give up, no matter how hard the challenges may be. Yes, this planet is sick, but we must believe that we too can reach out our hands and ask the Lord to heal it. Yes, we as a people are sick continuing, like drunken sailors, to keep doing the things that is harming us the most. And yet, in the face of all that insanity, we must believe that there is something higher than us that we can appeal to, to heal our own madness as a people. I think that there are two things in particular that people of faith can add to the debate about climate change. When I say debate, I don't mean whether it's happening or not. I mean what it is that we need to be doing about it. The first is this. Christianity in America is a very powerful moral force. And I'm sad to say that the force of Christianity is not being deployed correctly in the face of climate change. There are far too many Christian preachers who are offering anodyne messages about this horrible crisis that try to put their congregations at ease about what's happening. One of these messages goes something like this. Our God is a great God, and he will take care of us. We don't have to worry, because God would never put us in the way of harm. Well, listen, I do believe that our God is a great God, and I do believe that God looks out for us. But I also believe that God has no one else but us in order to do that work. There is not going to be some magical solution that comes down from the sky to solve the problem of climate change, no. God has given us skill and reason to be able to handle this problem, channeling God's own power to do this healing work in the world. We need to be the ones who take up the challenge. We need not to be people who are burying our heads in the sand and offer some kind of theological cover for what so obviously needs to happen. So that's number one. Number two is even more important. We as Christians need never to give up our faith in God's healing power. We are Jesus's people. And as his people, we need to keep reaching out our hands the same way that the hemorrhaging woman did, trying to touch that cloak, offering people a solution and a pathway, never stopping believing that something can actually be done. Because one of the huge reasons why we are where we are today is that vested powers that want us to continue harming our own selves have tried to lull us into a sense of complacency. The forces that make money off of the sale and burning of fossil fuels have so much more power than one little church could have. They have so much more power than the activists who are trying to change policies could have. They have so much more power than the people in the global south who are living in places that are already changing can have. They want us to believe that nothing can be done, that this is just inevitable, and that we have to adapt. And we need to have the fortitude and the strength to say, no, we will not give in to cynicism. We still believe in healing. Something can be done no matter what it is. We can change the way that we live. We can influence the people who have power and hold them to account. We can have a different planet, something that looks so much healthier than the one that we have today. Now again, you might be saying, well, how can I as one person do this? Well, let me tell you. It's not just a one-off kind of thing. We need to dedicate our faith and our lives to this cause. And it's something that each and every person in this room is going to have to do until our very last breath if we want to see something different. You probably know that there is a United Nations-sponsored conference about climate change that's coming up in November and December of this year. It's called COP28, the last one Interestingly, it was called COP27. There are 28 of these conferences where leaders from around the world are trying to figure out what to do. I recently read something that I think is true, Allegra can correct me, that says that if you counted up the number of lobbyists from the fossil fuel industry at COP28, it's actually going to be greater than the number of government officials who will be there. So I'm proud to say, however, that Balancing out all of this is the Episcopal Church, because we are sending delegates to the COP28 Conference, and that's a great thing. But let me tell you, it's not like they're going to do the work so that we don't have to. Their authority rests on our ability to articulate and to be faithful in the work of continuing to do the work of combating climate change. It's going to be up to us to keep the faith, because there's going to be a COP29 and a COP30 and a COP31, and we don't want the presence of the fossil fuel industry to just get bigger and bigger while people of faith like us just give up. But we're not going to do that, are we? We are going to continue to pray. We are going to continue to act. We are going to continue to care We are going to continue to build relationships with people whose lives are also being affected by the climate crisis. And we will not stop. You know, as a parish, it's difficult to come up with some kind of solution that can be something that the whole parish can rally around that we can do about climate change. Once again, because it feels like we're in the face of something that's so huge and such a slowly unfolding tragedy. But I really and truly do believe that the most powerful thing we can do is to come together week after week and keep praying and keep this faith alive so that this sermon is being preached 5, 10, 15, and 20 years from now from this pulpit and that the people of God continue to stay engaged. And so let's make that the thing that we do, the engine that animates all of our action about the climate. We are a people who believe in healing. The planet is hemorrhaging. We as a people are sick. So let us, as the followers of the great healer, be the ones who continue to reach our hand out to his cloak. And show the way to everyone else who wants to do the same. And let us never stop. Not just for our sake, but for his. Amen.